Welcome to DOS Talk. I'm Sarah. And I'm Nancy. And this is a place to share personal spiritual experiences to prepare hearts and minds for the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's get started. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, so today, Nancy and I have something super, super special for all of you guys. We are so excited to talk about it today. So excited. We met Tanya um, a few weeks ago. Well, she was mentioned to us a few weeks ago. And we've gotten the opportunity to get to know her a little bit. And so we are so excited for you to get to understand how she came to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for herself through her personal experiences. Yeah, we feel super blessed that she even agreed to talk to us today. Absolutely. Um, her story is amazing. And so, Tanya, are you there? I am. Amazing. Okay, so just tell us a little bit about your background and why you have decided to choose to follow Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's great. And I can make it a really brief rundown. I'm the middle of three girls in my family. My parents are amazing people. My family is amazing. Um, we were raised um, in the Church of Christ. My parents were uh, very much um, Sabbath-day goers until probably, I want to say, my my early teens and part of the reason why my parents no longer went to the Church of Christ congregation was because of the politics. <clears throat> I only learned about that uh, much later um, in the story but you know part of the reason why my parents then struggled with me becoming a member of um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was along those lines of how um, the church is its people but the gospel is true. <laughs> Right. So it was, It was. you know, I had this very deep grounding in Jesus Christ and in Heavenly Father um, through then. I was actually baptized into the Church of Christ at the age of 16. Now, in the midst of all that, at the age of six, something happened to me that my parents and my family were present for. Um, they were in the vicinity with my cousins and my aunt and uncle, but they did not know it had happened. Um, and I think that's the nature of that kind of childhood trauma. Uh, but I was raped at the age of six. <clears throat> it was by a stranger, a tremendous blessing in the outset, um, you know, when you talk about what happens afterwards and how one deals with it. And it was a once-off. So um, I'm, I'm extremely grateful to Heavenly Father that he obviously understood that I wouldn't be able to cope um, with some other circumstances that many people since have shared with me and that I've seen uh, personally throughout family and generations so um, you know I think I think that happening at the age of six I think one of the the reasons why I mentioned this with respect to my testimony and how I came to become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that I felt Heavenly Father present <clears throat> during the rape um, as a six-year-old I had recognized and known that God was there but I had yet had the kind of I guess um, the kind of experience to understand why he would be there. And that's actually been a bit of a, a contentious point between my mother and I since when I started sharing my story at 28 with him, um, you know, that he, he wouldn't intervene, that he wouldn't save me, that he wouldn't help her little girl um, not go through that experience. But I think central to any conversation, and there were, of course, other traumas. All of us go through traumas. Um, there's bullying, there's um, identity crisis, there's all kinds of things that we go through. So I certainly don't think that everything spins around on childhood rape. I think it's part of the story, and it's a very valid part of my story because it was the first time as I grew in my knowledge 
of why God was present while that was happening and the kind of impressions that I received as a child and then through my teenage years into my adult years and as a missionary about what he was trying to tell me whilst that rape was happening and the aftermath to that when I told no one but I was dealing with puberty and all of the things that come with uh, rape or abuse and I think central to that and the upshot to that is that I was left with the impression as a child that freedom of agency choice is central to who God is who my father in heaven is so he couldn't change the circumstances of what was happening because there was a choice being impacted upon me what he could do was teach me very gently and very lovingly over the years that came after and even now at 50 I'm still learning this that the whole point and reason behind giving his only begotten son for the atonement of Jesus Christ was so things like this could be turned to a greater witness of why the plan of salvation is so crucial to having his children return home because part of that experience on earth is being impacted by other people's choices and in some ways very traumatic very dangerous and as proven this week in australia um, the end of a life type circumstances so why would i have this kind of pre-knowledge even as a six-year-old that it was central to who he was it was central to his plan of salvation that choice was part of it but that what i made of that afterwards through the atonement of jesus christ was going to be a tremendous witness to who he was as a father and as god and so for me my whole story does kind of spin around that fulcrum point of being the age of 18 I had sought through many religions to be able to find that person that I felt at six and I'd felt kind of throughout my life since encouraging me in the direction of this Jesus Christ that my parents had shared with me but I knew I hadn't found the whole truth I knew I'd found little pieces of or little bits of truth but I knew I hadn't found the whole truth so when I met a young man in year 11 who had a crazy crush on my sister my little sister Sam (laughs) and he was part of a group of boys he was the same age as me and was part of a group of boys and I had a crush on his friend Um, somewhere in there whilst he was praying prior to going on his mission that his girlfriend Donna who lived next door to me can you see all the complexities in this story (laughs) and uh, my little sister He was praying that he would have a missionary experience with Donna or Sam. Heavenly Father, being the kind, wise and very smart man that he is, understood that he would move a few pieces on the chessboard so that his daughter would know immediately that this was the gospel of Jesus Christ restored upon the earth. So it happened. His farewell, I spoke to a missionary at his farewell. I had a crush on him by then. We had dated for a couple <laughs> of weeks. Um, first love, you know. Of course. And, uh, I went to his farewell and I said to the missionary, I said, what is it so hard for you guys? Because I wanted to understand why my 19-year-old quasi-boyfriend, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know what he is, but I've got feelings. Um, why, Can't say what no was to those. he about to do? Why would a young man go off and do that at that age for two years? And his 
response, Elder Cree from Canada, and such a sweet young man. And he turned to me and said very earnestly, when they don't ask God about the truth of what is his. So if people want to know if this is his gospel, if this is his record, or if this is his book, why are they not going to him directly and asking? Because he is the only one who can actually tell you that it's true. Well, this was astonishing to me. I'd talked to rabbis and I'd talked to priests and I'd, I'd talked to every number of um, senior religious figures of my day around me in different religions. And not one of them had ever asked me to go back to God. So that night I... And I say this with some hesitation because I still remember those feelings of kneeling by my bed. I had already been praying to him, but I don't know that I had formally recognized it as prayer. And I knelt by the side of my bed and I still remember the conversation staring at my bedroom wall saying to him, I don't know if I'm just talking to a wall right now. And I will get a little emotional here because this is just such a beautiful story for me. But if you're real and if you're true, and if this is the gospel of Jesus Christ restored upon the earth, and if the Book of Mormon is the word of God, then I just need to know right now, because if you tell me that this is true, then I will spend the rest of my life dedicating myself to this gospel. And I will get baptized, and I will do the things that you will ask of me. And I received what can only be described as one of those fulcrum point revelatory experiences in your life, when I was told absolutely and without any doubts that not only had Heavenly Father heard me, but he had answered with a positive yes and that I was to make those moves. I was to get baptised. So when Brady's dad, Steve Carlson, Elder Carlson, who had just moved into the ward, turned up on my house on the Monday, I think, after this revelatory experience, they came as a companionship and the first thing I said to them on the doorstep was, I know that this is true and how do I get baptized? Wow. Oh, those are the best moments as a missionary. I just tell you. That is amazing. And he still talks about it. Steve will still talk about it. But the other part to this story is, is how intricately Heavenly Father moves lives so that you're able to be touched. As you can imagine being a victim of childhood rape um my relationships with men even to this day is um fraught <laughs> you know yeah. there's no right. other word for it even with priesthood males i don't i don't trust easily and, and when i do it's it's still got layers of of not only that experience but other experiences in my life with with males and so you know the first time elder carlson appeared on my doorstep i knew him and i didn't know how i knew him and I still don't know how I knew him really <laughs> because it was an instantaneous letting down of the walls and the only other person in my life that this, this has ever happened with or that I've ever felt that way about is my dad um, wow. who was, he was a man amongst men and he was the right man to be there for me when I returned from that experience at six. So, you know, you know that's a short, there's so many layers to that but it kind of leads back to this you know, kind of pre-earth life knowledge that I've been superimposed with as a child, that that freedom to choose and the atonement of Jesus Christ were linked to the very essence of the plan of salvation because Heavenly Father knew that coming to earth and having that freedom to choose, all kinds of terrible things could happen to us. 
Um, you even look at the pandemic right now, and there are people who have lost loved ones during this pandemic. They're righteous, faithful people who have done all the right things like Job did, and yet they still faced that mountain. And with the greatest faith had to acknowledge that because of other people's choices or other people's ways of impacting into their life, it had affected them in a really traumatic and a major way. So the essence of my story, um, and, and you know, the childhood rape is just one part of that story. There's so many layers to it. But the essence of that story is that absolute need for the atonement of Jesus Christ as the fulcrum point to help us to be able to move forward with that faith. And I loved President Nelson's recent General Conference address and Elder Bednar's actually um, because both kind of went to the very core of why the atonement of Jesus Christ was necessary and why it's necessary for us as members of the church that when we, when we speak of Christ, when we rejoice in Christ, that we acknowledge as I think it was Elder Bednar a couple of years ago or was it Elder, I think it was Elder Nelson before he became President Nelson. I could be wrong, please don't misquote. <laughs> but um, I remember them talking about rightly saying the atonement of Jesus Christ and not just his atonement or the atonement or because it is all upon the saviour and redeemer of the world, Jesus Christ. And yeah. he is the only begotten. And um, that love, that service, that sacrifice by Heavenly Father and by the saviour is the reason why I can look back at what happened to me at six and I can rejoice in Christ and I can continue to heal from that and you know all good intentions in the world aside they're so right when they say that the only thing that heals is the atonement of Jesus Christ it's the only thing that can get to the very core of why a loving heavenly father would allow a tiny six-year-old girl to be violated in such a way 